This is Chris from 13 Sign, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Get it. Evil Astrologers, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. I'm beyond excited to share today's episode with you. I believe the word my UK friends would use is chuffed, because this episode has been over a year in the making. Well, more like a year in the waiting, because I have literally been awaiting the release of the album that is the topic of today's show since I first heard about it back in August of last year. Needless to say, this album has exceeded all expectations. Well, at least my expectations, which are actually normally quite low. But in this case, they were ridiculously high, and I'm still completely blown away. Last year, I spoke with guitarist Chris Hubbard from UK metal band 13th Sign after being introduced to and immediately impressed by their musicianship, technical ability, and overall sound. And during that conversation, Chris dropped a bombshell that the band was working on a new album and that that album was going to be a fully mapped out concept album. And like the concept album crackhead that I am, I immediately started planning for the day that we could talk about this album in detail. And three short days ago, the ashes of a treacherous silence was unleashed upon the world. And I got so worked up, I had to have a moment in private to relieve my excitement, if you know what I'm saying. But you know, we don't need to get into that. So I invited Chris back on the show, along with drummer and primary concept architect slash producer Lloyd Stringer, to give us the gory details. Lloyd and Chris broke down the entire concept for us, the grisly true story that inspired it, the process of piecing it all together, working with guest vocalists and voice actors, and crafting the soundscapes that seamlessly blend all the songs into a cohesive story. And speaking of voice actors, someone close to the show, not mentioning any names, may or may not have been featured in a small voiceover bit that will undoubtedly change the landscape of the recording industry forever. So grab your electric hammer, silence those demons within, and welcome to the spider's web that is Misery Point Radio, Chris Hubbard and Lloyd Stringer from 13th Sign. All right, now we're back for real this time, guys. <laughs> welcome back to Misery Point Radio. Thanks for joining me again. You'd never know this if I didn't say it, but we just had some audio video hijinks because, you know, I'm completely inept at technology. And speaking of inept at technology, I've got two amazing guests, one of who is probably more so inept at technology than me. So joining us again from all the way on the other side of the planet, well, not really, but, you know, pretty fucking far away, uh, we got Chris Hubbard, Lloyd Stringer, 13th sign from the UK, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having, Thanks us. having us. Yeah, I feel like we just had this conversation. Well, you know, it is what it is. So uh, I, I'm excited you guys are here. Um, thanks, thanks again for taking the time out uh, from joining me from eight hours in the future and uh, talking about this epic new album that you guys have released. So, uh, of course, last time, Chris, it was just you and I. And uh, this time we're joined by Lloyd, who hopefully can offset, you know, Chris's technological difficulties, but you know, we can, but hope <laughs> no I mean, promise. I'll try my best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, he's been well, doing it for years now. He's got practice. <laughs> 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 well, so 
a year ago, Chris, you and I chatted uh, for the first time, and uh, I had just gotten into a 13th sign thanks to, uh, you know, Mr. Chris Heap over there from Heaps of Metal. Shout out to Chris, uh, who's, of course, a very big supporter of your band as well. And uh, over the course of the last year, as, as uh, you had alluded to when we first chatted, that you had something epic in the works that you could not really talk about so much at that point. And come to find out that uh, this album is more than anybody could have possibly hoped for. So I'm really excited to kind of break this down into what it truly, truly is. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, it's it's just epic. So right out of the gate, I'm going to tell you that I I love this album. I'm not just blowing smoke. Um, You know that I'm a a huge fan of what you you do. But this took it really, really to the next level, guys. So... So an outstanding job well done, to say the least. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I just realized I wasn't looking at your album. I was listening to somebody else's. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, (laughs) let's also give a a shout out to to the rest of the uh, the rest of the chaps who who aren't here with us today. But, uh, you know, Dave, Reno and Dale, uh, you guys are fucking beasts. And uh, man, Reno's vocals on this album. I mean, they're so goddamn good. They literally gave me goosebumps. Um, like in my pants, goosebumps, uh, you know, but that's, <laughs> anyways, you didn't need that visual. Sorry, Reno, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, it's just, this album is, it's powerful. It's got just a mix of all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's got the thrash, it's got the death, it's got the power, it's got the prog. It's got kind of a little bit of everything. So, uh, so let's just talk about a little bit the, the, uh, the production of it. So Lloyd, you were actually involved uh, kind of firsthand in the production of this album, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, uh, me and my best friend Matt, he does all our producing. He, uh, we got him on board for the second album. And then he's not, it's really weird because he's not into metal at all. He's into sort of pop stuff, Radiohead and sort of Pet Shop Boys and stuff like that. So when I kind of suggested he had to go up producing some stuff for us. It was kind of like, oh, is it going to work? Is it not? And then, yeah, we've just kind of gone from strength to strength on all the albums, I think. And this one, uh, yeah, definitely the best one yet production-wise. So we kind of, well, this one was a bit different because COVID. So we, we did a lot of it over kind of Zoom. So oh. it was, yeah, it was quite interesting. So, uh, but yeah. So you recorded everything. And then as you were kind of mixing it and putting it all together, you were comparing notes kind of remotely. Yeah, we can't. So he came to mine and Chris came and we, we recorded all the drums. And then uh, Chris and Dale went to in a, day. a different weekend, recorded <laughs> yeah, in, a, in a day. About, you recorded all the it, drums in a day? I think it was about six hours we did. I, I did it in my slippers as well. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. we, we were setting up and I was, I was still in my pyjamas and I had my slippers on. Like, well, and then we did everything really quick. So it's like, well, shall, we, shall we do a take? And it's like, yeah, all right then. And then I just got in the zone and it was like, I don't dare change my slippers now because they might be like a good luck charm. So yeah, we just did the lot all in one go. We, we didn't even stop for a break. We just, we started about 10 in the morning, didn't we? And we, apart from stopping for a cup yeah. of tea and a bacon sandwich, we pretty much just powered through and we were done by about half four. Uh, I, well, from yeah, what I remember, then, we were actually done about three o'clock and we, we yeah. kind of finished that. It was like, right, we kind of think we're done. So we said, let's go walk the dog and kind of clear our heads a yeah. bit and see how it feels. And then we sort of came back and listened back and we were like, yeah, you know, other than like, there was a, there was like a few missed triggers with the, with the sensors on the, on the kick drums. But other than that, it was just like kind of just yeah. taking out the odd extra kick drum, which had been mistriggered in there. Yeah. Other than that, we just kind of sat back and goes, would well, you know yeah. what? There ain't nothing wrong with this. 
screw it, let's leave yeah. it. Five, then, five hours then done. On the, then on the Sunday, we did some extra acoustic bits, didn't we, for the start of Bone Collector. Yeah. You recorded some yeah. drums, which is quite amusing. <laughs> we did that, and then... Yeah, so we did that, and then the following weekend, Chris and Dale went to Matt's, and they recorded all the guitars in a day as well. All the rhythm then, guitars in a day. Just yeah, the rhythm guitars, Dave, really, just but all the rhythm, yeah. Yeah, just the rhythm. That and was a long day. That took, that took longer than five hours, I tell you. But we, we <laughs> yeah. kind of started there about 10, half past 10 in the morning, and I think we finished about six, six, half past six at night. And other than a custard cream break halfway through, <laughs> with a cup, cup of tea, um, yeah, we, we pretty much went through the whole thing, you know, from pretty much being, I think we, I seem to remember we started with demons because we said that would be, that'd be physically a good way to kind of warm up our fingers and, and muscles and get a brain in gear with it was slightly physically less demanding track. And then once we'd got demons out of the way and done, we said, right, well, which one we can do next? Uh, well, they're all bastards to play after that. So, so well, let's just start with the first one. Let's start with Bond and just kind of, and then we just worked our way in order through the album um, right to the end. And I say we we were pretty much on our knees by the by the end of that night, but we did get it all done in one day, which was pretty darn impressive. Yeah, and then Dave did all his bass at his house, which took him about five months. And then Reno, Reno did all his vocals, which, which took about another five months. And then, uh, yeah. and then, then me, yeah, then and then they emailed all their bits to Matt, who kind of put it all together at his end. And then we had a big, like a shared chat on our phone, just like a shared message, and we just had a tick list for each song. So we just kind of went through, and he'd send me the mixes, and I'd kind of say, "Oh, this bit needs changing," or oh, "This bit needs adding," and then we kind of went through, and then. I had a weekend at his where we did all the orchestration and then, yeah, final tweaks, final mix, and that was it done. We had a couple of sessions on, it wasn't Zoom, but it was something like that where he could stream out of Logic and I could listen to it and stuff like that. So it's kind of like Zoom, like this really. And uh, mm. yeah, it just, yeah, it just all, it went ridiculously well. It was one of those things that we thought this is going to be a nightmare and it, it just wasn't fair, to be it fair, went you... more smoothly than you could imagine. It, it was, yeah, the time we spent mixing it, recording it, tweaking it was hardly any time at all. It was, I think because we were so well rehearsed with it and because I had such a clear vision in my head of how I wanted everything to be, it sure. was just a case of right, bang, 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 done. So yeah, it was amazing how well it came together considering that we all live miles away from each other and you know, everything was in lockdown. It was, yeah, everything slotted together really well, which was unusual for us, really. Yeah, Chris, you were going to say something about that. Well, I was just going to say, um, like Lloyd said, to be fair, when when we first started using Matt for production on the second album, Matt was quite green as far as kind of what we would want for metal. But certainly by the last album, he was a lot more clued in a new kind of, more the kind of things we'd be looking for and 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 technology-wise and, and tone-wise and that kind of thing. So certainly by this, the third time that we've used Matt, as I said, he was, he's, he's getting to the point where even before we started recording, he'd be like sending Lloyd kind of little ideas. And, oh, I've just found out this bit of tech, which does this. Have a listen to this. And other little ideas and things. So by the time he got to, I'm not saying Lloyd didn't necessarily know how everything should kind of work or sound or anything like that, but Matt's kind of, doesn't doesn't need guiding half as much as Matt certainly would have done on Black Angel. He's sure. he's a lot sharper, more he's a lot more metal in the production sense than he ever was to start with, and he's he's mm. certainly got as you can hear by this one a lot sharper. And that's probably a big part of what's helped Lloyd have where there could have been so many different 
small little details that could have gone much, much worse and took far, far longer. The pair of them are so much more clued in and, and knowing more what the other one's thinking in advance already that that's probably helped smooth things along a lot better. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, looking at this, you know, these aren't exactly like short songs, right? This is, uh, this we tried is, our best to, uh, to shrink them down. <laughs> this is, well, 14 uh, actually, songs. we start shrinking them down because we actually said about when, when we were still in, still in the songwriting stage, we, we were actually having a little bit of a mini panic at one point is, is this actually going to physically fit on one CD? Right. And we did actually have a little bit of a, didn't we? We were having a little bit of a kind of, oh, is this actually going to, yeah. can we fit it all up? We had to do a bit of a shred and a bit of a chop down of arrangements a lot more than they originally were. I mean, they all, whatever we we took out clearly really wasn't needed. And we we only took out what needed to be taken out. And it it was all for the better of the songs in the the long run. But we we were doing a lot of trimming the foul. 111 minutes or something like that, which is, is insanity and but i mean hey yeah. you get your money's worth um you know there's well, no there's thing, no doubt about that so one um, thing we were worried about was we didn't want it to sound like a long album and when i was working on it i kept sort of thinking like it doesn't sound like it's 111 minutes there's some albums i've got that are quite short and you kind of track five you're thinking is this still on and i think with our album, <laughs> when obviously obviously i'm biased but every time right. i play it I, I don't think it sounds like it lasts so long. Do you know what I mean? Some albums just feel really long. But I think yeah, like hurry you're, you're up to track seven before you even blink. <laughs> so I, I think part of that though has to do with really overall the concept of the album itself, right? So uh, it is a concept album. It does tell a story, a, a pretty in-depth story that's that's based in truth. And you guys have used the the tools of voice actors and soundscapes to really kind of bring things together. So when you listen to it, it doesn't just feel like, okay, next song, okay, next song, okay, next song. In fact, it, it, it's really hard um, for somebody like me, uh, who's a huge fan of concept albums, to pick songs that I think are just the best, you know, or the worst, because they, they matter. They Every song mm. in there has a narrative and uh, I'm kind of one of those dorks that, you know, reads the liner notes and goes through all that stuff and kind of, uh, kind of looks at everything about a song as I'm listening to it, especially the first few times. And I, I also wanted to, to bring that up that your liner notes are also epic. I mean, this is not just some photocopied piece of shit paper that you had scrunched up in the back of your drawer somewhere. I mean, this is a really nicely put together, uh, liner booklet that also kind of goes with the motif and the theme of what the album is all about. I mean, each page looks kind of like a dossier of some sort or some kind of research file. So, um, so let's dig into that. I mean, it's got obviously concept albums, and and, and I don't know where you fit, Lloyd, but obviously Chris and I are huge Queensrÿche dorks. Uh, mm. But you know, there's also elements of say, you know, uh, King Diamond, Corner, Death, Old Metallica, Lamb of God, and so many different elements going in there, plus the storytelling element. Um, tell us then about kind of the original story that this is based off, and how did you first decide that you wanted to use that story to craft an album off of? Right. So, so starts, this is all. I'll sit back. I'll see in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, so it's, it's, based, <laughs> it's based on uh, yeah like you say it's, it's a true story uh about serial killers that uh kind of hit the news in the sort of late 90s and uh in it was, the uk it was, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just a massive, massive story. And at the time, I remember sort of taking a real interest in this story. And then I've always wanted to do a concept that I'm a massive Queen's Rock fan. Uh, oh, cool. Big Rush, big Rush fan as well. I, I don't really like the sort of metal that we play. Uh, I'm much more into Queen's Rock, Face One, and that kind of stuff. So... Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to do a concept album. And then when uh, our old singer left, because he used to write a few lyrics, and when Reno joined, uh, Reno wasn't really, well, I'd already written most of it by then anyway, but it was kind of a, I sort of already decided I'd take on a bit more lyric writing. And then obviously writing an album worth of lyrics with no inspiration is quite hard. So I thought now's the time to do the whole concept thing. Uh, and I think having the concept in some ways made it easier to write, because obviously the story's already there. And there's loads of books and documentaries and stuff you can watch on YouTube and things which kind of gave extra ideas and I rubbed the odd line here and there. So that kind of helped. Uh, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it just seemed like the right time to do a concept, really. And, yeah, I think the more we got involved in it, the more we kind of got into it. And it, in some ways it helped shape the songs. And it made it difficult to write in some ways because normally we'd write, say, 10, 12 songs, then when we recorded and pick an order. Whereas this, the, the thing we found difficult was kind of right track three that's this part in the story we need a song that's like this and it kind of made it more tricky to kind of actually compose the songs but it also gave us quite a lot of a guideline that we had to kind of stick to so it was definitely more of a challenge i think but i think Did it was you also start with say like an outline of the whole story and yeah, then so, craft the music after that or did you find yeah. yourself having music and now i need to kind of fit the lyrics to fit this spot i'm looking yes, kind of at the lineage okay. I kind of a bit of a both really. I, I kind of read, I did all my research and I kind of mapped out kind of 15 ideas, which would eventually become the kind of 15 songs. And then we kind of roughly went through it with Chris. And then, yeah, we sort of said, well, this song's going to be a bit of a love song. This one's going to be about sort of a murder. This one's going to be the court case. And then we kind of worked with it from there. And I wrote, so I wrote some of the lyrics before the music and Chris had come up with some ideas and then we'd say, well, that idea works with that, but that's too aggressive for that part. So we just tweaked it. And then, then we got to the point where I just let Chris write the songs and then I wrote the lyrics and then I kind of chopped them up on GarageBand and just really crudely edited them in like doubled bits, took bits out and sent in bits back and said, this is great, but we need a new chorus, which is going to fit these words. And then Chris changed some of the riffs to fit the words. And so we kind of, yeah, we kind of changed that. We changed how we went about it sort of during it, didn't we? And I think that worked a lot better normally with, with our album. Again. It was a lot more fluent. We had, we had to be a lot more kind of compromised. And there was a lot less kind of standard rules like we've kind of had before. It was not really yeah. rules, but we had to be a lot more kind of moving in and out. Is this, does this, but yeah, this bit works really good. But yeah, like yeah. you say, so that, that'd have to be changed. That'd have to be changed. And it was, I think what I've said with other people before, I think the biggest challenge, which you kind of half hinted at, was you, you've got to kind of, like you said, if, if, you, if you're writing a normal album, with 12 songs on, you get to say, right, that's a cracking opening track. That's what we're going to open with. Mm. But we already had to kind of predetermine because yeah. of the lyrics and which, which music kind of fitted well with the lyrics and the chorus and whatever. Um, we had to kind of predetermine which songs were in which order really very early on. And I think yeah. one of the things we were, we were both concerned about was, you know, it might work well as far as the concept, but as purely as, as, as someone listening to an album, even if, there was no concept. Would would those songs, would track number one make a good opener? Would track two sound as a good track two? Would it build to a crescendo like you'd hope an album does? 
and somehow we managed to fluke it and it yeah. worked bang on. Yeah, and it's weird because as we wrote it, we, our opinions changed. So Bond of Wicked Bud was the first song we actually wrote, wasn't it? And we played that with like all the old band members. And then when we came to recording it, because we've been sort of playing it for five years, we'd all gone off it and thought, oh, actually, shall we sort of change it? Is it good enough? And then when we finished recording it and listened to it back, it was like, wow, why, why did we have doubts? That's a brilliant album opener. So, yeah. yeah, we kind of we kind of changed our mind as, as we went through. But... Yeah, it was. I yeah, think, I think remember Silent Witness. That was one of that was one of the early ones as well. We we kind of got up to where it changes with the clean part at the end of the solo. We'd kind of got that first block written really early. Yeah, and then it yeah, was we just almost kind of left it, didn't we? Yeah, it was about another year or so before it got it got kind of finished off. At least a year before it got finished off, and there was lots of like you say, kind of bits of songs where Lloyd knew that bit definitely had to go with that set of lyrics and this bit. But the rest of the songs were, were very kind of incomplete and they'd be like little bits kind of jigsawed on now and again yeah. with a little bit, oh, that bit will work with that, or oh, that bit will work with that bit. And it, it was very, yeah. it was like a jigsaw. There was just so many little pieces yeah. being continually little tagged on until it all finally fit together. Yeah. And then when we got it how we thought was right, we'd then take it to the rest of the band they'd learn it, we'd play through it, and then we'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> so this bit's way too long. Like, we need something here. We, and then we were kind of thinking, this bit, we need a circle bit going. What kind of thing can we add to this? And then we kind of changed everything again and then more tweaking. And so, yeah. Is that something else we, with the writing process that we'd never done before, which sounds bonkers probably to a lot of people, but I don't think we've ever actually written a song with the five guys in a room before. It's always kind of been like two or three of us had kind of written a bit and the other guys would just kind of get given a track. Right, there you go. Like, learn that. That's the recording. And that would be kind of like it going into recording. And once we, we, we sort of started doing, I think it was more out of necessity. I don't know whether we necessarily wanted to do it or chose to do it. But when we'd started to get the new guys in the band, I think we were kind of uh, one of the early practices with all five guys. And we were sort of saying, well, okay, what are we going to practice next? And it was like, well, come on, let's just try a new one. It's like, really? Should yeah go on try a new one and so we then would work through one of the new tracks and be like wow that sounds brilliant except for that bit that bit doesn't work mm. and like Lloyd said we then started tweaking it not only we'd been already been tweaking it in the the concept listening sense but now we're doing it in the live situation the, the, mm. the practice situation and as you saw so all the songs kind of gradually morphed and tweaked that little bit extra again but again it made them better and so we just said yeah. well, quite right if this is working, don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we then started going through all the songs and some needed changing more than others, but all the little tweaks that worked live, um, you know, helped to benefit the writing process and the recording process. Yeah. Awesome. So now we're going to take a listen to one of these songs and a little later in the show, we're going to be talking about why this particular song was chosen as the first single as well as for a video. So here it is. This one's called Electric Hammer. Shut down. 
children of schizophrenia have a 1 in 10 chance of becoming schizophrenic. Children of depressives are far more likely to suffer from mental illness. Children of both have very little hope of living a normal life. She would rock her head for hours, gazing at the world, almost like she was not part of it. So the majority of these songs were were written, you know, at least in their skeletal form, uh, you know, quite some time ago. Yeah, we, the, we wrote, the, we started the, about five years ago. We started, yeah. and then we then we lost a singer, then we lost a bass player, and then it took so long to find a replacement singer. Yeah, that we everything just kind of got put on hold. So me and Chris carried on writing, but we live 120 miles away from each other. So we'd kind of get together every three months, and we'd kind of sit in my lounge and just kind of go through what we've got and I'll just kind of do finger drums on garage band along to the riffs and we kind of did really rough recordings and then not having a singer I kind of worked out all the vocal melodies and stuff and, and I'm I'm a terrible singer anyone anyone in the band will tell you that uh, but we managed to get our old singer up to record some demos which helped quite a bit uh, I think Chris yeah, the whole you're a fantastic fun. singer and he disagrees with you <laughs> Everybody should behold at some I'll tell you what, if you want a little factoid, you can have a guest there's there's Lloyd did some guest vocals on the album, but yeah. you've got to guess which track. Yeah. Reno really struggled with a bit, which is really easy. So I did a I did a guide track at his house <laughs> when we were doing it. And like I say, I'm terrible. And Reno liked it so much he kept it in. So I thought, well, oh. if we're gonna keep it in, I'm gonna do it. So I did re-record it at home. But uh yeah, so uh, being the world's worst singer, I ended up doing backing vocals on one song. So. Oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking of vocalists then, so so you guys had, uh, in addition to hiring some people to do some kind of cool soundscapes and things like that and little voiceover tidbits, you also worked with some guest vocalists. What I wanted to know is, 
did you have to coach them on their vocal parts or did you lay down a ghost track and then they kind of recorded over your ghost tracks? How did you yeah. get them to learn the song, learn the melody? Because those tracks that they're singing over, that's not like slow, easy. I mean, we're talking some of that stuff is over really fast rhythms and yeah. syncopated rhythms. So I'm curious how you got those performances because I know they weren't sitting there just hanging out with you in your studio. No, so uh, so what happened? As well as Thirteen Sign, I play in a, a wedding covers band as well. Uh, we do sort of beer festivals, weddings, proms, stuff like that. And the singer in that band, yeah. Well, we've not had any funerals yet, but if you know anyone, you know, I can give you our details. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So our singer in that band, who's also one of my best friends from school, uh, it's his wife that sings uh, on Walls of Jericho, and she is a West End performer. She's like a proper sort of semi sort of famous star who has starred in oh, she's played all over the world she's done My Fair Lady in Italy she's done uh, she starred in Little Voice she's been in Le, Le Miserable however you pronounce it Le Miserable that's it yeah she had a big role in that she was, in, she was in the film with Russell Crowe so she is yeah a pretty well known yeah and uh, yeah she so I, I, years ago I was at a different I think I was at Matt's wedding actually and I said to her, oh, would you be up for doing some vocals? And again, she's not into metal at all. She's, she's sort of Whitney Houston, Madonna, big fan, that kind of stuff. So she was like, yeah, I'd be up for that. That would be a bit of a laugh sort of thing. So I sent her the guide vocal, which Reno did. So I kind of sang it to Reno. Reno kind of sang it on this guide vocal. Better. And I said, <laughs> yeah, and I sent it to her. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> only, only slightly, but yeah. So, and I sent her the song. And uh, she kept kind of forgetting to do it and she was busy and stuff. And then I, I emailed her and I just said, oh, we really need this sort of today if you can have a look at it. She hadn't even looked at it. And I, I sent her a copy of Sweet Sister Mary and said, this is the kind of vibe we're after. And uh, she, about an hour later, she just sent me a text saying, yeah, I've done it. Let me know if it's all right. And that was it. I didn't even speak to her through the whole thing. And she literally heard our song, did about four takes, just sent me them and said, like, yeah, is that all right? And it was like, is that all right? That's like amazing. <laughs> I completely blew because I wasn't sure how it would be because obviously with her not ever doing any metal I, I didn't know how her voice would kind of suit it and I didn't know if she'd really when she actually got down to it if she'd actually want to do it or not but yeah she just absolutely nailed it and it was like and yeah did that's, you have uh, like the official backing tracks you know for her to yeah, do yeah so she so she had the the full sort of proper okay. studio version it wasn't completely mixed and it didn't have Reno's vocals on but she had that and Reno did like a rough guide track so she kind of copied that pretty okay. much as he did it but then sort of embellished it a little bit but, and, uh, and yeah. what is her name? Uh, Nancy Sullivan so. cool Props to you, yeah. Nancy, for fucking knocking it out of the park there. Well, these guys uh, are playing characters, so give us the rundown. Who are the characters, quote unquote, per se? I, I, I picked up Golden Boy, right? And then I yeah. picked up, uh, there's some kind of a, uh, I don't know, we'll say uh, streetwalker type turned partner. Uh, I picked up yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. I picked up some kind of informant, <laughs> right? Leech, I want to say. Um, so kind of give us the rundown on the characters and just the, the baseline of the story. So I think the, Lord, you're just going to have to spill the beans there. You're just going to have to spill the beans. He's been <laughs> up to it for years. I got Get on with it. So the, it's mainly about Fred and Rose West. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with their crimes over in America, but basically uh, Fred West was a, was a sort of local country boy, like a country bumpkin that uh, 
had a very troubled upbringing. So the first couple of songs are about his childhood. Right. And then, and then he sort of ran away from home and moved to Scotland uh, and sort of tried to set up a new life over there, with, uh, which is what Demons Within is all about. And uh, he got married uh, and that didn't work out. So he kind of went back to where he was from and then met his then future wife, Rose West, who she's kind of referred to as a spider kind of throughout. So he's the golden boy because he was his mother's golden boy, even though right. he was an absolute, you know, evil, sort of personified evil. But so we kind of used that to refer to him. And then, yeah, the sort of all the spider connotations, that's, that's his then wife, Rose West. And it's them that committed all the crimes. So you've kind of got the first couple of songs are about his upbringing, then the next couple are about her upbringing, and then how they kind of get together. And then it kind of goes on to the crimes, and then it's got like the court case, and then the aftermath, and then how their kind of families cope with it afterwards. So yeah. it's not really it's not really about the murders. It's about why they made murders and how they got together and why they did what they did. And, what kind of happened afterwards and stuff like that. So, and there's we, a, a big undertone to do with, say, uh, examining the the mental illness side of things, the schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that that is a predominant theme uh, lyrically that you see where they're hitting on, you know, as far yeah. as the psychology behind what they did. Yeah, because it's it's strange. Like the more you, what most people, most people just know about the story and sort of their house and how they hid all the bodies in the basement, and most people don't really know anything kind of the backstory but so I'm from her side of the family her mum was a depressive and her dad was a paranoid schizophrenic and then when her mum was pregnant with her she had ECT which is what electric hammer's about so she obviously had terrible genes and he him very similar so you kind of got these two people that have both had really troubled starts and then he had a motorcycle accident which damaged his brain and he had plates which is what impulse control's about so you've got these two people that have already starting at a bad place and then things happening and then them getting together and then making each other even worse. And it's kind of all about that and how stuff that happened to them kind of kind of merged on and kind of accelerated into these two sort of serial killers and then how their relationship kind of changed because they had a big pact of silence. And the idea was that he would take the rap for all the crimes so she would get off free. But then he committed suicide and then they got evidence that she was actually involved. And then, but she still, even to this day, she hasn't admitted to any of the murders. She still denies all of it. And there's still, they think still up to 70 victims that, that they don't know about and they've never found. So that's what the kind of last song was about. And then their family, because they had children and it's all about the children didn't know. And then obviously as soon as everything was found out, all of a sudden they realized, I mean, they knew their, their sort of upbringing was horrific but they kind of accepted it because that was all they knew. So that last song was kind of their point of view and them sort of feeling guilty for still loving their parents, even though they've kind of now realised what they did and how they kind of still see their genes and they look in the mirror and things like that. And it's all, yeah, it's kind of covers all the backgrounds. None of it's really about the killings or the attacks or anything. It's all about kind of before and after almost. Sure, kind of deal, dealing with the fallout even. So. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting take on it rather than what, what we didn't want. We didn't want an album to be classified as like a gory murder metal kind of naff cheesy sort of thing. So sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh that's awesome. And as far as, for instance, the, the soundscapes and the sound effects and the background and locales was any of that kind of done on a location or is that just stuff that you have? No, no, that's all, uh, audio? Yeah. It's all created Me and Matt created it. And, uh, 
we either did it at his house and just kind of did stuff or we recorded bits. So, for example, the, the choking at the start on the album and the intro, that's just me in my bathroom sort of making a choking noise. Hey, dude, you don't <laughs> need to tell like me what you're making choking sounds in the bathroom for. He does it most nights. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's, everything has just been... I mean, we've got some sort of samples of the internet and things like that, but most of it we kind of just created and, and yeah... <laughs> yeah, yeah that's kind of, uh, I want, I, Matt's brilliant and stuff like that. I say, Matt, I want something that sounds a bit like this, and he'll just go, "Oh, is this all right?" And he'll just do some plugins to get get on his keyboard, and it'll be like, "Yeah, that's that's everything that I wanted, like spot on, exactly how I wanted it." So, yeah. yeah, the uh, the map uh, on the back of the inlay card it seems to be indicative, kind of of locations where maybe crimes were. Yeah, we we, we wanted to make it. We wanted I wanted to give enough clues in the booklet so people could work it out without it being too obvious. I didn't want I didn't want it to be like, oh well, this is obviously this, this is obviously that. So we didn't that's why we didn't include any names. But sure. I wanted to leave enough details in so that if people were kind of familiar with the story, they might see, sort of see that and think, Oh, that's based there. Oh, I wonder if that's so and so. And then they might look further on and say, Oh, it must be that because this kind of thing. So the idea was that we were kind of leaving clues. I kind of felt like I was going on a scavenger hunt. Yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. Really. yeah, but I didn't. I didn't win anything. <laughs> I thought we'd give it away with the song Leech because at the start of the song it gives her name away, and if you googled if you googled Janet Leech, you'd probably find everything you need to know straight away. So, no, oh, damn it! So the one <laughs> you missed an I easy one. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Well, the prize is that I get to listen to that album now over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so probably kind of like listening to an album as you're recording it. So now that it's out, now that it's physically released and you've got this fine, fine product on the marketplace, do you have the same feeling about it as, as now people are hearing it? Are you as excited about it now as you were when you kind of started the project? Yeah, probably even more so because I was, I was a bit worried about it because it's been my idea and my sort of passion for ages and I've, kind of talked everyone into going along and I was really worried that we'd finish it and everyone would sit back and go, it's a bit shit, that. (laughs) So I'm really glad that it kind of, everyone's saying it succeeded their expectations. And one of the things that I'm really pleased with is you have an idea in your head of exactly how you want something to sound and it never sounds like it. It's like if you're a painter, you imagine I'm going to paint this picture, it's going to be brilliant. And you do it and you stand back and you think, no, it's not that great. And with this, I was really worried that it, it just wouldn't be as good as, I thought it wasn't. Obviously, it's been in my head for five years. And then when it was all finished, it was like, that's exactly how I pictured it, if not a little bit better. So, so now, it, now it's out. It's just good to be able to let other people share it and say, you know that thing I've been working on? Right. Here it is. Have a listen. And so far, everyone's loved it, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with how it's turned out. And I can't stop listening to it myself yeah. now. Even I was worried when we were doing it that I'd get sick of it because obviously doing all the fine-tuning and pick, like listening to it to pick faults and tweaking it. I was worried that I was going to ruin it for myself. But yeah, and Chris, when, when you and I were first talking, you know, you had said to me that you were really excited about this project and that it was going to be concept and that it was, it was even farther of a concept beyond, say, mind crime because the things that you were going to be talking about were, were based in actuality. So now that, that you've been through this process with this album, um, what's your take on it? Um, echoing a lot of what Lloyd said. Um, as, I've, as Lloyd gave the analogy of a painting, well, I mean, just more direct with like with previous albums we've done. 
as you're going through the writing process and the recording process, you're thinking that's the nuts, nuts, that's that's cracking, that's bang on. And it's only then when it's it's finished, the CD's there in your hand, you put it in the play and you sit back and listen. And you invariably sit and go, yeah, that bit's good, but ah, why did that bit not quite work out as a tell you what i'll try something a little bit different next time and usually listen back i find on how good it is i'm probably feeling bang on happy with about say 60 70 percent if i'm lucky um then there's always kind of something to find a hole in that you know that just wasn't quite why did that not work out as i'd hoped and you if nothing else it gives you kind of ideas to go working ahead on the next one and other ideas um but this one, like Lloyd said, we've kind of, I would genuinely say it, it must be at least 95% exactly the way we had it in our heads. And that, that's because we tend to set ourselves pretty high standards. And it's just pretty much damn bang on where we imagined it would be, the way it would sound. And the production, obviously, as we talked about before, is a huge part of of helping that because usually you kind of go, ah, oh, should have put a bit more bass on that. We should have done a bit more of this. This, you can sit, you sit back and listen to it. It's like, ah, oh, that's damn bang on. Um, so as far as, as we're happy with it, yeah, it, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still listening to it fairly regularly, which like Lord said, you'd think by now we'd be sick and tired of, of hearing it. Um, but it, it, it's a very, it's very easy on the ears. Um, I don't know whether I'd quite say we, we'd outdone Minecraft just because it's factual lyrics as opposed to uh, um, fictional lyrics. I wouldn't like to think anything's going to outdo Minecraft, but um, the, the, the comparisons was obviously, as we know, was certainly there, and, and that's where the influences were. And, and again, by the fact of we're just saying about the soundscapes and, and, and the characterization and, and how that's worked out so well and, and blended the songs together and made it. A, a much more complete album rather than individual songs. Yeah. Yeah. There's also kind of a, you know, not, not in terms of vocal style, but I really got kind of a, a hint of say, you know, merciful fate kind of King diamond in, in that era as well. Um, with kind of the way that just uh, some of the characters were brought out and, and there's a very kind of a dark feel to the album as well. You know, mind crimes, a is a fantastic album. I wouldn't necessarily call it a dark album, but you know, something like, you know, Abigail, for instance, is very dark and very deep. It kind of goes into this personal story backgrounds and things like that, which it kind mm -hmm. of, kind of evoked that, you know, for, uh, for me as well. I say, yeah. Talking about the whole darkness. Yeah. We, we knew this was going to be dark, Like some of the, the contents of some of the songs that what they're actually about is, is pretty disturbing as, as you can get, I think. So yeah, it, yeah, we kind of wanted it to have a bit of a dark, kind of eerie, almost kind of, I don't know, kind of a, just yeah, it's kind of a dark. I suppose for, for, for style, more like kind of sanctuary, mirror black, kind of that kind of oh, creepiness. Yeah, yeah creepy. That's the that word. Kind of really, yeah, kind of a, a very gothic creepiness. Yes, kind of wanted yeah. it to be a bit chilling. Like we did have some samples that we ended up not using but some of the bits yeah they were a little bit like oh that bit's meant to be such and such and i'm not sure i want to replicate that yeah that's <laughs> some of it is a bit you know, when you tell people what some of the songs are about like, and some of the, there's because a lot of the lines that like, really kind of link to the story and yeah it's not pleasant really not pleasant like, luckily reno doesn't really I remember talking, singing <laughs> i 
I think I remember yeah. when we talked to you last time, Mike, about saying about all the lyrics that Lloyd had done, there was like every single line has a particular relevance to yeah. a particular fact or a part of the whole story, um, which, which it does, which is what makes the lyrics what just incredible. Um, but obviously you literally got like, say, one line is trying to describe kind of probably like a, 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 a far big part of it, but there's only enough room. You've got to squeeze it in in some way, shape or form, but in a very condensed form. Sure. Um, if, if anybody would like to learn the, the more gory details, um, next time we play a gig in about 2028, if, um, <laughs> if, if, if someone would like to like, have a chat with Lloyd and say, Lloyd, would you mind explaining this particular line in this song? And he'll quite happily sit there for 20 minutes and, and <laughs> not bore them, but, but he'll tell them all the details until they vomit on the yeah. floor. <laughs> well, it's it's an education, right? That that might end mm, up in education. <laughs> I uh, I do like the uh, the sanctuary reference, though, because yeah, it, that's probably more spot on for sure. Um, and now you've got me thinking about sanctuary, which is just awesome. Um, I'm curious, then, moving on from from you know the content kind of stuff. So you decided to release a single uh, and a video for Electric Hammer. And uh, knowing where that now, as I listen to this, fits kind of in the storyline, what was the decision behind releasing that album as the single? Uh, I think it was a couple of things. Firstly, we didn't want to give too much of the story away. So it was always going to have to be a song fairly near the start of the album. Uh, But also... I think everyone in the band, apart from Chris, just just loves it. Right? Chris hates it, but we all think it's just brilliant. I don't right? hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> you used to hate it. It's grown on you, hasn't it? But I don't, when we, I don't hate we it. It's his least favourite. It's his least favourite, yeah. But we, and then we, we released a little teaser of it. Because, I, like I say, I, I loved it from the get-go. So I released a little teaser of it on YouTube just when we'd started mixing it. And it had such a positive response. It was like, yeah, let's let's go for it. But... Yeah, I, it's, it's weird because Chris has always wanted to write a song like sort of the horoscope sort of era overkill and he's never managed it. And then we finally written a song which I think is pure overkill and he don't like it. <laughs> you know, I don't know why, but yeah, the rest of the band absolutely loved it. And it was from, and it was quite a good one to do a video to. We thought the whole idea of all the electric yeah, the visual. sounds and like strobe lights, we thought it would be fairly straightforward to kind of replicate that in a video. So yeah, yeah, and there's all, there's also the fact that the intro is quite short and blunt. Which if you you're going to be releasing a video that a lot of people may not have heard us before to try and grab people's attention really quick, which in modern media day you kind of have to. There's a yeah. lot of what I would certainly say are better songs on the album, but they have got a longer, more drawn out intro. Which if if people are flicking through on Facebook, they're probably going to go, oh yeah, okay, get on with it. Whereas that one does, admittedly, you know, three chords of wallop, you're into the song. So it did have that benefit as well as what Lloyd said, the, the visual thing with being able to interpret the, the, the electric shock therapy into the, the imagery as well. So it, it was a good choice for a video, even if there was others that would have been better. I think that, was, uh, um, that I, I personally really like the song and especially, I guess, the chorus because I love the overkill comparison because this is this that chorus is fast as fuck. I mean, the drumming is awesome, Lloyd, for sure. I love the just a super fast gallopy guitar. Um, so it's just really catchy. Like of all, all the all the songs on there, um, I mean the chorus to that one really just kind of stands out because it's easy to kind of sing to. I think. Yeah, that's another reason we thought it'd be good. Yeah. It's one that you can hear once and you can kind of 
you know, just shout electric hammer it, with everyone. That like, we thought it'd be quite a good a live one that people can get into sort of the first time they hear it, rather than something you have to know really well. So that that as well. Plus, when you play it live, you could have tasers in, in the audience. Hey, that's a good and idea. You could yeah, that's all right. Shoot those out <laughs> into the front and uh, have some strobe lights going, and I think it would be an amazing live effect that you guys should definitely film. <laughs> certainly in the papers, I think. At least one before, you know, something like that. <laughs> there would, there's obviously one thing that would be missing from live with that song, yeah, which would be your good self. Yeah, the quality oh. voice acting that you've already spoken about. Yeah. Now, for those of you, for those of you who are not young Mike here, has been very shy because for those of you that wouldn't know, the vocal guest on Electric Hammer, who is our Doctor X, is indeed young Mr. Mike Peacock. Up, Simon. Mm. What? Yeah, I was. Uh... You mean you didn't know? I didn't know. I had no idea. Um, I I kind of felt a presence one night when I was sleeping, and there was a microphone. I wasn't Places unknown, but you know, I, I yeah. So that was that was a fun process, by the way. I, I wasn't planning on going down that rabbit hole, but now that we're talking about it, uh, the idea of of having kind of voice actors, I, I think, was was kind of fun. And much like yourself, Chris, uh, you know, you're not necessarily a, a fan of for whatever reason that song being your your uh um your favorite but uh, you know i'm very critical of the way i sound on on uh media and I, i'm 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 like oh yeah that sounds that sounds like me <laughs> it's kind of weird uh you got all these guys with like uh american accents uh <laughs> on on an album from the uk which uh was kind of kind of awesome to kind of see because it, it broke up the monotony of it of uh, what people's voices sound like sometimes but it was a cool process uh and thanks thanks for asking me to do that i i, I had a blast and i probably overthought it but uh you know I tried to put myself in that mindset of, oh my god what am i doing here what's my motivation where's where's my fucking acting coach i got nothing <laughs> all right so uh yeah thanks for yeah, actually kind of using it and it's probably gonna hurt your album sales <laughs> so at least we know who yeah, to buy. The, uh, what's that at least we'll know who to blame. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's all all, all is fair in uh, in love and bad voice acting. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I thought I think that song, though, personal feelings for it aside, it, it is a a good song, and and I like the video. The production is awesome. How was it? You know, shooting that video. I mean, knowing that you guys can bang out guitar tracks and drum tracks and in record time. Did you one day this video too? Yeah, yeah. the video. Uh, yeah, we just turned up. About eleven, about ten o'clock, wasn't it, in the morning in this sort of barn in deepest, darkest Norfolk? And the chap that did it, uh, Sean from Loki Films, he just kind of wheeled in this box with like all this camera gear and all these lights. We just set it up, went through it, I think sixteen times, and then that was it. We were done by about four o'clock, weren't we? And then yeah. he just he just sort of edited it and and sent it. It was a really nice process because normally everything we do, we kind of call in in favors. Whereas this one, we didn't. We just kind of we splashed out a bit of cash and we said, right, we're going to get someone good. So we uh, we kind of researched someone good, booked him in, and he was amazing. He just turned up, shot it, went home, and then two weeks later, that was the final edit. We didn't even have any tweaks. He just said, how's this? It's like, yeah, that's amazing. That's exactly what we wanted. The, inter- just- the interesting thing from my perspective with the location was we've, we'd been looking for a location to shoot a proper video again for a long time, and I'm, we're talking like at least a couple of years, aren't we? And mm. everywhere we'd looked had just come up empty. And we were thinking, this, this, this can't be normal. I mean, sh- there must be places around to, that, you know, you can, you know, a friend says, I've got this place here, or you can hire somewhere for the day, or you can, 
you'd think there'd be somewhere. No, I mean, literally, we were we were calling and checking out places kind of all around the country. No, couldn't mm. find anywhere. And we were, we were starting to get desperate and thinking, we need this soon. What on earth are we going to do? And the, the bowling question is just kind of like on, on one of my sort of duties with my day job. And I, it was literally about a couple of weeks before we had to sort of like make a decision whether we're going to do it, yay or no. And I just asked a couple of questions and they just said, yeah, you use the old barn over there if you want. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Now, we sort of think like the old barn, thought this, it's not necessarily going to look great. You know, there's probably umpteen different places which would look far, far better for a music video than this. But we were just out of options. We're beggars couldn't be choosers. We had no choice. So it was like, yep, yep, that'll do. Take it. Go with it. Fine. And then by the time Sean turned up, you've, he literally sets up a few lights, quick smoke machine. You look at the, the, the drainage thing on the floor where they probably, you know, drain the, the water and the, the cow shit and God knows what else out from the, from, from the bottom of the barn. And you're looking down this, this camera lens and you're thinking, hey, that looks incredible. Yeah. How come this, this manky old barn that we, we got lucky with just at the, off the top of our heads and all of a sudden we've got something that genuinely looks like a proper good location. We were just mm. so, so lucky with it. Yeah, it, it's actually, the, I, I f- feel like it's a, it's a great location and it also kind of evokes imagery of a place where somebody, you know, might be, say, I don't know, murdered, killed, dead, made, <laughs> made to not be alive. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it kind of fit fit that, that whole theme pretty good. It was dark, it was yeah. eerie and... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, now that I've seen it, if if I took that image of how now I, I see that song in my head visually and you were to put it somewhere else, I don't know if my brain could handle it. I mean, it just it, it fit that particular song so mm. well. It did work out um, just incredibly well. Yeah. yeah. Luck of the draw, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now that you've got the album out, you've got the video out. Are you going to release? Uh, are you going to release more videos? I mean, you can't play any shows until, like you said, twenty twenty eight. At least yeah, at the earliest. Yeah. <laughs> so there's got to be something else that you can do as far as promoting the album or kind of keeping it going. What's what's kind of in the framework? So we've got a lyric video uh, for Bone Collector which we're going to be releasing in a few weeks. We're not quite sure yet. Uh, And then we're hoping probably early next year to do another proper video for, uh, well, we'd maybe think Spiders Web at the moment, but that will be a bit like the Electric Hammer video, but we're going to have like cutscenes. We're going to have like a narrative going on as well. So it's kind of going to take a bit more planning and a bit more location hunting, but we're aiming to do another proper video there because we had such a good, good time doing it and when you look back when we're all old and showing our grandkids it'll you know it's great to have proper videos rather than sort of cheapy ones so i think yeah, we're gonna when you're uh, when you're hitting your your grandchildren on your lap telling them this you say listen here little timmy i've got the story for you uh, and then of course that will then start him down the road of depravity uh, but uh yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome. So clearly you've already thought this through that there's got to mm-hmm. be some level of future engagement um, because yeah. the times that we're at, it's just, I mean, it's risky enough to release a project right now um, without being able to live support it. So the question now becomes, how do you keep people interested and engaged before you can get on to the next project? 
Yeah, so we, this video is, and we're going to just try and keep busy. Dave and Rena are on about starting writing the next album, but uh, <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my brain's dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even more. Than yeah. Normal. Yeah, and that's saying something. Uh, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to get out and do some gigs and play this album when it's new. But yeah, I'm, knowing how long it takes us to get stuff written and recorded and done, I'm, I think come Christmas I'll be ready for looking at the next album. Sure. I've got some. I've got some good concept ideas that I need to run by Chris. And what about like, uh, I don't know, streaming events or, you know, kind of band, you know, sessions where you guys just kind of hang out on the interwebs and let people fire random questions at you? Yeah, we don't tend to do anything like that. Maybe we should. We don't. I've not really seen anyone since we did the, the video. <laughs> we see we got together once for like a listening party and that was it. I've not really spoke to anyone else since. To be fair, we've, yeah. we've been working so hard building up to the release of this that that I know it probably sounds a bit lazy, but actually being able to have like a couple of weeks off of, of, of not necessarily thinking everything 100% about the band right at the minute will actually be quite nice. Yeah. Just have a, just a few weeks off of just like, oh, it's done. We actually managed to live to see this thing released. That's good. Yeah. And we can just chill back and relax just for, a, just for a few weeks just to kind of let things calm down and see what happens. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's a well a, a well deserved break because, uh, like I said, uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of of the band, but you know this album exceeded you know my expectations, and as everybody should know, really everybody gauges their success off of my level of expectation and acceptance. So, um, <laughs> as, as well it should be, you know the the tides rise and fall based off Misery Point Radio, clearly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic, uh, dare I say, masterpiece. Oh, it's, uh, you, uh, it's you go ahead and say it, boy. You say it. Shout it. Yeah. Shout it. Go on. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't have enough praise that I can heap upon you to the point where it becomes uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, that's. It won't become uncomfortable. Don't you worry about that. You carry on. <laughs> nice. I can always mute my mic. Uh, but, uh, no, thank you guys for, for hanging out today and talking about the album and probably going deeper into the story than you initially wanted to. But, you know, I had to do my, my journalism part and kind of twist your arm to get those fine details. And just so everybody knows, there's way more to the storyline than even we got into. Uh, oh, way more, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. going to take, it's oh. going to take, you know, a few listens uh, yeah. before you really kind of get it. But then uh, I promise you, even though you have to do this thing called reading, check out the liner notes and kind of follow along with everything because it really helps stuff sink in and then you'll get to know kind of, uh, oh, you know, the pieces start to fit together. And yeah. so... Uh, this is why streaming's a bit bad. I think with with a concept album, you need the book and you need to listen to yeah. it with your headphones on. You need to flick through. And one thing that I don't like about streaming is people are probably just, oh, I'll have a listen to track six. And yeah. I, it, it needs to be listened to in its entirety. You need to set aside, you know, an hour and a bit and crack open a beer and get your headphones on and get the book out. And you need, to, you need to give it time, I think, and like try and digest it to really get into it. And I think if people do make that effort and do get into the story, I think it will, it will make it so much sort of different sort of listening experience, knowing what's actually happening rather than, oh, here's a song, here's a song, here's another song. Sure. Like, and actually knowing, because like, well, my brother, he knows the story, yeah. uh, but he didn't really know any of the lyrics and I got him to proofread the booklet. And I think when he read it, it was like, oh, oh, yeah. 
oh, that, yeah. I know what that one's about now. But rather than just thinking, oh, I like that song, it's like, oh, that's sang from the point of view of this and, oh, that's a bit disturbing. <laughs> so I think it, it changed it for him. So I think yeah. other people that don't even know anything about it, I think it would, yeah, massively change how they listen to it. Listening maybe, to maybe the album not the best. <laughs> will either turn you into an intellectual or make you realize that you have no intellect either way. It's one of the two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, man, j- job, job well done, chaps. Uh, anything else that you want to say to the people out there in, uh, in the podcast land? Uh, any final thoughts you want to leave us with today? Just have a listen and let us know what you think. And if you like it, buy a t shirt or buy a copy or, you know, help support local bands because we, we get 0.0006p for every stream. <laughs> so, you know, if you do like it, you know, <laughs> help us out. <laughs> Buy the tell, tell your friends. Yeah. 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 And we, to be fair. Friend, if you have one friend, tell them a thousand times. Yeah. We're not in it to make money. Yeah, we yeah. just enjoy doing it. And we just want people to hear it. Now it's done. You know, we just want people to listen to it and, and like it. And awesome. so far, you know, everyone has liked it. So, yeah. And we want people to kind of like it and appreciate, you know, the amount of work that certainly. Lloyd has put in and we've all put in and I think if you do give it just a fair good listen it it really is quite an absorbing listen and you can sit back and say wow that that really is for for an underground band that really is quite a hell of an achievement and we're yeah. we're bloody proud of it yeah mm. and and you should be so Tell everybody where they can find your music, how they can order physical stuff, where they can stream the digital stuff, where they can buy your merch, and how do they stock you on social media? So everything's for sale on our Bandcamp page. So if they Google 13 Sign Bandcamp, they can buy merch and physical stuff. We've got some new T-shirts for the song Demons Within, which are pretty swanky. And other than that, it's on all streaming platforms. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. It's, It's everywhere. So it's not hard to find. Much to Chris's disgust. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, it is everywhere. It and is YouTube. Everywhere. Someone's already ripped it to YouTube, I've seen. So you can you can listen to it on YouTube. Thank you, Pirates. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, just join me in thanking uh, Chris Hubbard, Lloyd Stringer, 13th Siam from the UK. Check out their new album. Check out their old albums. Check them out everywhere you can possibly check them out. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Cheers, Mike. Good to see you again. Do yourselves a favor and go buy this album right now. If you're a fan of metal, I promise it delivers. Thanks again to Chris and Lloyd for stopping by, and thanks, of course, to all of you for hanging out today as well. Always appreciate the support. And please, if you want to continue to support Misery Point Radio, follow the show on all the social media propaganda sites. Like, follow, share, all that good stuff. And subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming platform. Misery Point Radio is also a part of the Spoilerverse, so check out Spoilerverse.com for all your pop culture needs. And we're also a part of the SJ Network at s-j-network.com. Get a hold of publicist Steve Joyner if you're an artist looking for some epic level promotion. Now, we're going to take this out with one more song from 13 Signs' new album, The Ashes of a Treacherous Silence. This one's called Walls of Jericho. 